What's up, everybody? Welcome to The Podcast Goes To. We've got a specialty episode here. I'm Bob Klein. Here's Matt DeGenero. What's up, Matt? What's up, Bob? Happy first introduction to the show for you. Starting our second batch of 10 episodes, leading off with a special episode and switching things up here is Bob Klein bringing in the show. That's All's right. All's well over here. All's well. See, and you just fucked it up because you, 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 this, this is my turn now. You get your turn and then I get to talk. <laughs> Where do we go from here? <laughs> and that's the show, folks. Thank you for joining us. See you next week. Uh, I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm, I'm happy. I ra- we wrapped shooting on our movie last week, so I'm feeling some stress relief and just happy that we made it 10 episodes into the show. I, I didn't think didn't think it was possible. I feel like I'm 10 weeks older, Matt. So today's episode is an interesting episode. One, because I had so much more free time this week, I did not have to watch a movie. <laughs> so much time for activities. But what we're going to do this episode is we're taking the first 10 films that we watched in our podcast show, and we're going to do a little award ceremony. So we're going to give out Oscar awards to each show. We have categories, nominations... Yeah, and uh, do you think we need to, like, name them? Like, should they be the potties? <laughs> like, the podcast awards? <laughs> that sounds too much like potty, like where I go to the bathroom. Yeah, but it kind of works. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I'll call them potties. You can call them whatever you want. The Matskers. Ooh, the Bobskers. <laughs> the Bobskers. Way better. I just didn't want to sound like an egotistical <laughs> ass. <laughs> oh, man. What kind of feelings do you have about our first... Our first 10 episodes. I say we uh, delete them, delete all records of them, and uh, <laughs> pretend that next week is our first episode. What do, you, what do you say to that, Matt? I think that our second batch of 10 will be better than our first batch, but I think that we sort of, I think that we evolved nicely. We should watch the same 10 movies each time and just do new episodes. <laughs> just get better every week. But if we want to make the same penis joke watching shape of water we can't like that's still on the table if we want what else is there to do while watching shape of water man <laughs> yeah so my original like our original idea watching the you know watching these movies and talking about them is to sort of like grasp a little bit about the history of cinema and watch some movies that sort of are were historically important and all that and and so far we've had some some really good movies that I'd say have made an impact on cinematic history. And we've seen some that made me question why they were nominated for Best Picture, even in within the t- context of when they were made. And uh, I'd say that we had a good batch in the first 10. And here's to another great batch in the second 10, even better. But before we do that, we do have our special 10th, an- 10th episode anniversary special. And your friend Adam said that it was just absolutely ridiculous that we're doing a 10 episode special. <laughs> Yeah, Adam doesn't normally speak, but when he does, it's never anything nice. It's scathing. <laughs> <laughs> well, the reason why we decided to do a 10-episode special, number one, to give us a little bit of a, a breather between watching all these movies, but also because we want to be able to do an end-of-the-year special where we kind of talk about the best of the best movies over the course of the first 50 episodes. So... It is, it is for a purpose. It's not just self-congratulatory. Speak for yourself, Matt. I think it's self-congratulatory. 
I think you're wrong. It's not, it's not self-congratulatory, but also congratulations. It's an honor to be nominated. By the way, we are nominated for a potty. It's the best podcast that we do. We're nominated, just me and you nominated. Also the SpongeBob podcast, also the Tom Sizemore podcast, all nominated, but they don't have any episodes yet. So I'd say we have a good or, shot. Or do they? Spoiler. Oh. <laughs> got some things coming out there. This is actually, you got tricked. It's the first Tom Sizemore episode. <laughs> All our super fans out there, quit your jobs. You're going to need a lot of extra time to listen to all these podcasts. <laughs> um, do you have any cleanup for our we our episode last week? I loved our last week's episode. Any of you listening to this episode, you haven't seen last week's episode, you're making a big mistake, man. You got to don't skip out on The Bishop's Wife. Movie, yeah, the movie wasn't that good. But the episode, the episode is gold and we got everything right. Am I right, Matt? Yeah, we did. We get we 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 you know we we, we we get most things right. I'd say that we get everything right every week. But um, if I may, I have a little cleanup from the King and I. Am I allowed to go back that far? Well, <laughs> since we are reviewing all the movies we watched, I think it's fair game. <laughs> okay, I just wanted to say that uh, slavery in <laughs> Siam um, it wasn't a system based on racial distinction. And um, evidence has suggested that people were voluntar- would voluntarily submit themselves to slavery because of the economical position that they were in. Because they were so f- poor, they couldn't afford food. So they were like, I'll just be a slave. So just a little fun fact from five weeks ago, sometimes, sometimes people wanted to be slaves and they lived a good quality of life. So it wasn't slavery like we thought of uh, like when we're talking about slaves in America. Just a little fun fact from The King and I. I can't wait to take that quote out of context and use it later in your life. <laughs> Slavery is not bad. <laughs> Some people just wanted to be slaves. <laughs> is Once that what Kanye West said like a week ago? Yeah, I think so. And like maybe maybe context, he was saying just... the same thing. Maybe he was talking about the king and I also. And then they took it <laughs> out of context. It. Exactly. He's actually writing an essay on the king and I. <laughs> You're going to so be the I... super famous movie producer, Matt. Now I'm just going to find this clip. I'm going to send it out everywhere. (laughs) I should be doing video capture on your Skype. (laughs) Because you're going to have a much different voice by then. You're going to sound like Barry White. I'd love that. (laughs) So The King and I was, uh, what, our fifth episode? And I'd say that if if you're a first-time listener this week, this is a good chance for you to sort of get a little bit of a taste of our first ten episodes and then dive into our much better quality second ten episodes. But what would you say our favorite episode was if... (laughs) Are you eating a piece of chicken right now? I'm busy, man. This is my lunch break. <laughs> Literally talking to Bob, and I just see a drumstick sneak up into the frame. It was a thigh. Come on. Oh, I'm sorry. It looked like a drumstick. This episode would... brought to you by Chicken Magician of Hackensack, New Jersey. Sometimes the chicken there, and sometimes it's not. It disappears. What would you say your favorite episode was so far? If one, if, if there's a first-time listener right now, and they're like, I'm going to go try out an episode and come back. What episode do you think they should listen to? Ooh, that's a close one. I really, I don't know if it's a recency effect, but I really like our last episode, Bishop's Wife. But an all-time classic, I, I got to say, is uh, Kiss of the Spider Woman. Kiss of the Spider Woman. I knew you were going to say that. We're best friends. And the reason I like it is because on that episode, we disagree a little. It's nice. I just, when we first got into this podcast, like I know we have differing views on certain movies and different styles of the movies we make and stuff like that and so far we've kind of been in agreement for most of the episodes yeah pretty disastrous 
Yeah, I didn't come on the show to agree with you, Matt. <laughs> I, I really wish you wouldn't keep coming on the show, Bob, is, is what I have to say. Well, I have so many other things I could be doing right now, Matt. So <laughs> just say the words. I have someone who wants to be on the show. I'll give you him. <laughs> Shout out to my buddy, Greg Jolly, who wants to be on the show, but I'm guessing he's not listening right now. Maybe he is. But if you are, Greg... Props to you. You're the man. <laughs> We've had a number of people who wanted to be on the show, but then when you ask them if they've listened to the show, they mysteriously never get that text message <laughs> or <laughs> Facebook message. Yeah, so our first potty of the episode, best episode, goes to the Bishop's Wife, I'd say. I think that was our best episode. I think we're, I think we're getting better. Do you like that I'm just calling them potties now? <laughs> there probably already is that somewhere. A potty? I hope not. <laughs> well, as part of our special 10 episode anniversary special we <laughs> it sounds ridiculous when i say it like is that, that. A, the american dodgeball association of america <laughs> <laughs> our special episode special yeah we uh we asked some of our listeners to go ahead and send us a audio clip and uh, we told them that they could say pretty much anything that they wanted and we got several responses which i'm happy about and i think throughout the show we should just we should just play them and and then you know see what the people have to say maybe get some suggestions for our next batch of 10 because the only way we're going to improve is if you dumb listeners tell us all the bad ideas and then we ignore them and do what we want i'm sorry i was ignoring you what what were you saying (laughs) (laughs) ass bob is back (laughs) ass bob is back we took a little break last week i was kind of concerned i was like when is asshole bob gonna come back don't worry people (laughs) He never left. He's still here. <laughs> do, you, do you have a wiener on your shirt? Don't be a wiener. Okay. Yep. Thank you, Bob. There's a shirt on. Bob is wearing a shirt that says, don't be a wiener, and there's a giant hot dog on it. It's from Sausage Party. Keith Brown's favorite movie. <laughs> this this next potty goes to Costco for the best hot dog. Congratulations, Costco. You have a potty. Speaking of Keith Brown, Keith Brown is our first guest on the show. Here he is with a message to Bob and myself. Hey, Bob and Matt. I just wanted to congratulate you on your first 10 podisodes. Is that what you call it in the podcast world? I would have to say my favorite moment is when Matt mistakenly sung the song from The King and I calling it If You Whistle, which I'm sure will be in his next film. But really, it's Whistle a Happy Tune. And come on, we should all know that. Oh, and I also realized that I could never go to the movies with Bob because he has to get up to go to the bathroom and he finds out what parts of the movies are boring. When I go to the movies, I never get up, I never go to the bathroom, and I rarely eat something unless I sneak it in. But anyways, great job, guys. I've enjoyed listening to your first 10 episodes. Well, that's actually a lie. I'm still on episode eight, (laughs) but I can't wait to hear the next 10. Wow. Wonderful words from Keith Brown. I have a lot to say about this. One, no, not podisode. I think it's just episode. I think the word changes, although we did just create... Uh, the, the potty. potty. <laughs> we are giving up potties on our potisode. Yes, that is true. It's now a potisode. Also, how many times have I been to the movies with Keith? <laughs> have you been to the movies with Keith? Yeah, we used to go to the movies like for one of his classes. Like we'd go on movie field trips. <laughs> and then all those screenings that we do in his class. Well, I'm sure he was having a terrible time. Little did you know. I guess Run P wasn't out back then, but still like... 
Did you, you probably still ran and peed. I mean, when I go to the movies with people, I just sit closer to the aisle so I don't have to get up in front of them. But I think it's just like the concept <laughs> of getting up in the middle of a movie when you're supposed to be sitting and building a sort of... Like, don't you think that you should be getting into the movie? You should be so invested in it that you don't even want to move? Have you ever been to a movie theater in Europe? They have intermissions at the movie theaters in, in European theaters. For American movies? For all movies, yeah. You go to the movie theater, not all of them, but like most of them, they just stop it in the middle somewhere and people like take a break, go to the bathroom, buy some more food. See, that's ridiculous to me. You're supposed to be getting into whatever the feeling of the movie is supposed to be. If it's a drama, you should be so invested in that drama that you don't even want to move a muscle. There's some movies where I have my arms crossed and I'll just have them crossed the whole time and I'll just be sweaty by the end. Like my armpits will be sweaty because my arms are crossed. Well, Matt, I'm going to get you a teddy bear that you can bring to the movies so you can cross your arms around that teddy bear (laughs) and think of me while you're having that moment. I think that one of the big Marvel movies, I had to pee pretty much from the first action sequence and it was, there was an hour and a half left and I just couldn't go. I'm like, you know what? I I just have to hold it. I, I can't, once I remove myself from the room, from the screen, it's like I'm completely removed from the movie. When I walk back in, I feel like I'm in a different planet. I don't even know what's going on. I feel like I've missed something important. I feel like I, I'm out of the whatever sort of like zone I was supposed to be in. I don't know how you do it. I have the app. It tells me when to go. <laughs> That's how it's done. Although I have a funny pee story. Uh, back when I was a kid, I went to see Lord of the Rings Return of the King in theaters. I was super excited, and I got an extra large Coke and finished it before the previews were done. (laughs) And I had to pee that whole movie. (laughs) And I held it, and and then the end comes around. I was like, oh, finally, the end. (laughs) But that movie just kept not ending. (laughs) It could have ended like nine times before it actually ended, and I'm I'm just like shaking at this point, like, God damn it! End! End! (laughs) And then as soon as the movie actually finally ended, I like sprinted out and like tripped over those like, uh, those like garter things, like the (laughs) the red velvet rope thingies. (laughs) And like ran into the restroom and like peed for like six minutes straight. (laughs) I have a similar story. This is how I developed my pee shyness. Uh, It was a elementary school field trip to see the Phantom of the Opera at PPAC in Providence. Uh, at intermission, I had to pee really bad, so I went, and I was, I was super young. I was definitely younger than you were during Return of the King. It was probably, I was probably like 10, and, although maybe you were 10, and, um, because you're a baby, but I, like, the line for the urinals was out the door, so I, I couldn't go. Like, there were 10 people in front of every urinal. I just couldn't go, so I went back to my seat, sat down, held it the whole time, I mean, I thought I was going to piss my pants, get on the bus, go all the way back to school, get to school, go to pee. I swear to God, Bob, I didn't think that a person could pee for this long. I was peeing for so long that I started getting heckled by the other kids (laughs) to stop (laughs) peeing. I was so embarrassed. So I'm like, I can't control it. So they started, they were like yelling at me. Kids were throwing paper towels at me. I'm like, this is the most humiliating thing of my life, but I can't stop peeing. And, and finally I was like, okay, like I'm going to stop peeing. I'm just going to stop. So I stopped and like, (laughs) and just like decided to just like continue to hold it. But if you stop midstream, it's very difficult to hold it. Like you feel like you're still peeing. Might've wet my pants a little bit. And ever since then I've been pee shy. So I cannot, 
I cannot go to the bathroom if someone's waiting in line behind me. How do you go to sporting events? Sporting events are very tough. Oh, wow. That's a lot of insight that I didn't know or want to know about you. <laughs> we should just call this a P-cast. We just dedicated like four minutes to talking about P, so. <laughs> that's, that's special thanks and, to Keith and Brown. And it's all, it's all Keith's fault. <laughs> it's all Keith's fault. I love how it, so, started with, it starts with him complimenting us for our great podcast, and then we immediately digress into P stories. <laughs> he complimented us and all we did was like take the tiny moments where he didn't compliment us and be like how dare you you're wrong <laughs> anyway this is an awards episode so i think now would be a great time to give out our first potty award <laughs> damn it we should have we should have brainstormed a friggin name before we started this episode it's too late it's potty <laughs> I think in typical Oscar fashion, we should give out the supporting actor and actresses awards first. So we did, uh, we did t come to a consensus on the top five in each category, but we don't know what each other's answer is, and we're just going to reveal it to each other here on the show, and then we have to come to a, a consensus of who the winner is before we can move on. So... As soon as Bob's done eating his fucking chicken. I'm sorry. So our first category today is Best Supporting Actress. And the nominees are... Octavia Spencer in The Shape of Water. Sonia Braga in Kiss of the Spider-Woman. Lily James in Darkest Hour. No-No Fock in An American in Paris. And... Kristen Stott Thomas in Darkest Hour. I think it's Nona. It's No No? Like, I don't know. To I'm campaign the tumbo? Your, your, <laughs> no, no, no. I'm reading off the list. I don't know. I mean, you do all the hard work for this podcast, but you do it wrong. Oh, you've heard it here first, people. The award for hardest worker goes to me. It's my first potty. I just like to thank all the fans. And I'd like to thank Bob, who gave me this award. Thank you, Bob. I would say it wasn't easy, but it was because you do all the hard work and I don't. <laughs> <laughs> it was very easy for me. All right, Bob, why don't you give us, why don't you give us your, your winner? Oh, you're not going to like this one, Matt. I'm, I'm going to go Lily James, Darkest Hour. Interesting. When we discussed this, we talked about how the character wasn't developed enough, but you consider her the best supporting actress out of the whole bunch. Why is that? In comparison to all these, I think she was by far the best. And I loved her in Baby Driver, which has nothing to do with this. <laughs> so you're giving her a, uh, you're giving her a legacy award, or you're giving her a potty for a legacy award? Just give me your pick, whatever. I'm gonna say. Let me eat my chicken. <laughs> There's so much chicken, it just keeps coming. Um, I'm gonna say Sonia Braga from Kiss of the Spider Woman. That's a good pick. That's a good pick. She did play what three characters in that film? She played three characters. One of the characters was a fictional character within the movie. Then the other character was the rebel's lover. And then finally, she was the spider woman in the final scene. Even though we determined that the male character played by William Hurt was the spider woman. So that that part was a little hazy to everybody. He's the metaphorical spider woman. She's the actual spider woman. Right. But didn't we agree, like, he should have been the metaphorical spider woman too? Like, he should have been on the beach? Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot more sense. But anyway, so why would you say that Lily James has a better, it deserves the potty more than her? No, you're totally, you're totally right. So, Sonia Braga for the win. I'm not even, I'm not even gonna contest this one. Let's move on. Bob, Bob <laughs> obviously has something in his pocket for 
later on that he's gonna he's gonna say I gave you Sonia Braga. So, no, I didn't even give you this one. I this one, yeah, <laughs> this one doesn't even count. Uh, let's move on to best supporting actor. The nominees are Albert Grand, Seventh Heaven. <laughs> Forgot about that one. Uh, Richard Dawkins for The Shape of Water. Richard Dawkins? <laughs> what are you smoking? Richard Dawkins is like an atheist biologist dude. Who I love, by the way. I'm actually uh, oh, an active member of the Richard Dawkins Foundation for Reason and Science. Oh, hell yeah, dude. Big fan. Actually, maybe we should nominate him. Can we yeah, give him an honorary, not. like like a Lifetime Achievement Scientific Award? Yeah, yeah, you know what? There you go. And the potty for Lifetime Achievement in Science Award goes to Richard Dawkins. Congratulations. <laughs> Uh, let's ta- let's tag him in it. Maybe he'll start listening to the show. I think he'll immediately realize we're way too stupid for him to listen to. <laughs> hey, I'm a member of his of his organization. <laughs> uh, also, fun fact: his wife is an actress. Maybe one day we can talk about her on the show. Well, the real nominee is Richard Jenkins for The Shape of Water. Doug Jones for The Shape of Water. He played the Amphibian Man. That was my Doug Jones. Raul Julia from Kiss of the Spider Woman, and our very own Tom Sizemore for Saving Private Ryan. Oh, I saw how you saved that for last. <laughs> Tom Sizemore. This is a jam-packed field that we we got here, and we, we've got how many? I think all of these but Richard Jenkins were not nominated in the actual Academy Awards. So Yeah. Um, we know what well, we're talking about, and Academy, you don't. <laughs> So Albert Grand, for those of you who don't remember, he played Baba Ghoul in Seventh Heaven. He was the taxi driver who was very upset because his taxi was blown up during World War One. Very tragic. Uh, it, it just a, a transformative role, in my opinion. D- he never had any lines because no one in Seventh Heaven actually had lines, but just just a gripping supporting actor. Wait, he didn't have any lines? Well, he had lines, but they we had to read them. Oh, yeah. It was a silent film, wasn't it? <laughs> it was. The was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> our silent film. And... Like, you can't be a supporting actor with no lines. <laughs> well, we did just nominate Doug Jones, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so unless we want to swap him for Richard Dawkins, then Doug Jones does become the first nominee with no lines to be nominated for supporting actor. Uh, Matt, what's your, what's your pick for this one? This is a tough one. This is a tough one, and it, I'm going to go... I'm going to go with uh, the two-peat for Kiss of the Spider-Woman. Raul Julia, the man who plays the the revolutionary who becomes uh, trapped in a jail and ends up meeting the, the character William Hurt plays, who is a transgender woman, and they end up falling in love. Very interesting role that I just thought he really sold. He was great in that film, but, oh, oh, this is a tough one. This is really tough one, Matt. You have a soft I'm spot going... for a couple of these other ones. I have a soft spot for all of them. <laughs> Even Baba Ghoul? No, fuck that guy. Uh, <laughs> his, his like grandchildren are probably not even alive at this point. Um, that's mean and weird. I'm gonna I'm gonna go Richard Jenkins on this one. Really? That is. I I thought he was just magnificent in Shape of Water. I really did. What What about his role as magnificent? He was just such like a warm like character that you just cared for so much and just every every second on screen was just was just great. 
I, I really just loved his character. He was sort of heart-wrenching in a way. Because he, so, he seemed so sensitive and unsure of himself because he was a closeted homosexual who was unemployed. So it was like, it, 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 he felt very sensitive and fragile. And if you remember, his character is super important. He, uh, he kind of tells the story. He introduces and ends it with his, uh, with his narration, which kind of makes it like the film could technically just be a fictionalized story that he's telling. Wow. So I guess my argument for Raul Julia is is that his character also had a very interesting, sensitive personality. He was very unsure of himself, and his towards the end he became even unsure of his own sexuality. So there was also that same sort of inner conflict. And I liked the way he played off of William Hurt's character, where he was enraged, and then he was sad, and then he was mad again, and then he was happy sort of like went through the whole spectrum there without it seeming melodramatic. That's what I really liked about his... It was somehow it was understated at the same time. I like that. I just felt like he he turned too quickly at times. Like mid-sentence almost. Like sometimes he'd, he'd be like super, super interested and super happy and then he'd just like yell at William Hurt's character. It's like, dude, like you were just asking him to tell you these things. He's like, shut up, don't talk to me. And I was like, why, why so sudden? feel like you're just putting him in there because of all the screen time he gets he does get an exuberant amount of screen time but i think i can i think i can submit that richard jenkins was was worthy of it and he was the only one who was nominated in actuality not that that means anything it doesn't because we're we're comparing 10 random movies from different time periods Mm -hmm. you know these these years all had different competitors against them so yeah. It's tough. I think the only way to settle this is to just give it to Tom Sizemore. <laughs> we might have to. <laughs> we already gave Tom his own podcast in theory. So I was going to say one of the one of the snubbed actors was Eddie Albert, who played Irving in Roman Holiday. I, I really fought for him to get nominated, but he was unfortunately beat out by Baba Ghoul from Seventh Heaven in the final hour. <laughs> I mean... Such a great character. It's it's hard to get attached to any of those seventh heaven characters, but <laughs> I just felt for that guy and his taxi cab named Eloise. <laughs> One of the things we noticed in these earlier movies was that there really weren't a lot of supporting characters, especially in Seventh Heaven. And specifically, there were not a lot of supporting actresses in these movies. It, we found it really difficult to even find these five. And if you'll notice... Several of them were from the more recent movies that we watched. It's kind of an interesting observation. Yeah. Yeah, there there was always a lead actress in the older ones, but it once they have their one woman in the film, they just kind of... That's it. <laughs> it was interesting how that happened. And then I really wanted to nominate someone from Saving Private Ryan, but there really are no actresses in that movie. <laughs> so I tried. So who are we giving our best supporting actor to, Matt? Uh, I think the potty goes to Richard Jenkins for The Shape of Water. Congratulations, Richard Dawkins. <laughs> Congratulations to Mr. Dawkins. So our final category, uh, our final serious category of the first segment is uh, the best writing category. And Ooh. the nominees are Dalton Trumbo for Roman Holiday, Robert Roday for Saving Private Ryan, Guillermo del Toro and Vanessa Taylor for The Shape of Water, Alan J. Lerner for An American in Paris, and Benjamin Glazer for Seventh Heaven. 
Seventh Heaven sneaking in here, even though it was one of the worst movies we watched, sneaking in with a couple nominations. I disagree. I really like Seventh Heaven. It might have been my favorite of all ten. That's false. <laughs> this one's, I think, pretty easy for me. It's pretty easy for me, too. It's because Benjamin I'm Blazer. a communist. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm a communist, I'm going with Dalton Del Toro. No. <laughs> yeah, I'm going Dalton Trump or Roman Holiday with this one. Whoa, that is not what I expected you to say, because I went with Robert Roday for Saving Private Ryan. And I believe, was he nominated for that one? He was nominated. He did not win. Let me guess, Shakespeare Love. <laughs> I'd have to, I'd have to do a little digging to determine the winner, but it was, it was not him. Give me some, uh, some insight. What are you thinking with Robert Roday? I think he had a tremendous task before him, which was to create a story that was personal, but also spoke uh, to a larger theme, and for him to have accomplished this while also balancing a, wi- a wide swath of characters, all of which were male, so I'll give you that, but to truly capture the essence of a, a, a military unit and all the different personalities coming together for a common goal and all the different ways that their characters' arc, arcs were woven together, um, I thought was done masterfully. And it was a tremendous task to undertake, and it never felt like, like the, the writing was overwhelmed by the size of itself. So for me, th- that's, that's an easy one. Well, we're going to have to agree to agree on that one, Matt. Let's go <laughs> well, to Robert Roday. <laughs> if you had to say one nice thing about Dalton Trumbo, though, what would you say about Roman Holiday? It's just a, it's a classic for me, and, it, and it's a story that's been, like, borrowed and repurposed throughout history since then. Just, like, a really, a really nice, simple, but effective story. Just, like, really, really solid craftsmanship. Yeah. And he did it, and he did it all, you know under a different name definitely a good personal story even though he was a commie bastard <laughs> take that you commie bastards <laughs> i gotta find that i gotta find that 48 hour film that i keep quoting and just play the and play the quick <laughs> so before we go to our first break let's do a couple of superlatives uh what is your winner for the grossest scene that we watched so far so I'm usually eating during during these movie screenings, and I'm actually eating during this podcast episode, too. Bob just eats. He's an eater. All right. Well, I'm a big guy, and I eat a lot, so I guess I'm just always eating. That's true. But... <laughs> he kind of grazes. Like a sloth. The parts that really kind of got me while I was trying to eat and watching a movie, most of them were in Saving Private Ryan. It's a pretty graphic film. And if you remember from <laughs> what we talked about in that episode, there were a lot of blood and guts everywhere, but that part where the dude just takes chewing tobacco out of his mouth and gives it to the other dude and he puts it back in his mouth is just so disgusting. <laughs> it really bothers me. Would you say that that takes the cake over the, over the, the pants pooing scene from Kiss of the Spider Woman? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's an elegant poo scene, Matt. That's not like a real, like, graphic poo scene. There are no fart noises. You don't see poo everywhere. They just kind of pretend. They should have done a director's cut where they get really into it. Like, I want to see, like, macro of the butthole. This is, uh, this is the most, this is the grossest scene right now. Listening to you talk. <laughs> While that. I have a chicken wing in my mouth. <laughs> That, those are really the only two movies that had any sort of graphic. Um, 
oh, what about in The Shape of Water when the guy gets his fingers bitten off and then at the end of the movie he rips the fingers off his own hand? <laughs> that is pretty go- gross, but I would I would categorize that. We don't have this, but coolest scene? <laughs> okay. Best monologue? <laughs> and the potty for best monologue goes to Shape of Water. What was his name We're again? just giving out awards as we talk <laughs> that aren't planned. I love it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, I don't think I can agree with you that it's that it's the uh, that it's the chewing tobacco scene, but I will agree that the shape of that the fuck Saving Private Ryan is definitely the grossest movie. What about your favorite sex scene out of all these movies? I mean, that's a close one between Shape of Water and Kiss of the Spider Woman. Kiss of the Spider Woman, you had the candle slowly burning out, or did they blow the candle out? And then Shape of Water is obviously the goat i mean it's the amphibian sex scene yeah it's got to go to shape of water for sure did anyone else have sex um there might have been some insinuated sex but those aren't fun there was definitely some insinuated sex in roman holiday because they made like a weird date rape joke that was uncomfortable even for the 50s and the winner for best date rape joke dalton trumbo roman holiday see he is the best writer shape of water is a clear winner for that best sex scene yeah congratulations to the shape of water best sex scene <sighs> so let's go ahead and pick our decade for next week because we are going to have to eventually watch another movie from no <laughs> from some, from the... i had such a nice vacation matt <laughs> you know that's not true we did spend a good amount of time trying to put this list together <laughs> yeah we spent like an hour and a half <laughs> yeah I that's guess... almost the length of a movie did Infinity War get nominated for Best Picture? I'll just go watch that again. Ooh, we can talk about it. It did It did not. <laughs> Next week, the podcast goes to the 1970s. So we're going to go ahead and take a quick break, and we will come right back. Hey, Matt and Bob. I just want to tell you that I love your podcast. I look forward to it every Monday. Makes my Monday drive amazing. Um, I also want to just say that uh, my favorite segment is when you guys are talking about what are you watching now. Love that. Um, Keep up the good work. And the next time you guys pick an 80s movie, I want to be the guest host. Please. I like how her please gets cut off at the end. Please. (laughs) It almost sounds like someone else was recording it. And I was like, ah, that's enough. (laughs) Yeah. Is what we just said in the show, or are we starting the show now? Oh, shit, I don't know. <laughs> well, I guess I now guess we have to it. restart. Yeah. Well, thank you very much to Nikki, one of our weekly listeners. And I I, I, I think that that is one of our stronger segments some weeks. What are you watching is a pretty good segment, I'd say. The way Courtesy she sounded watching sounded a little wisconsin to me. Oh, Oh, that's funny, Bob. She is she is from Wisconsin. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> oh. Well, thank you for that. Unfortunately, though, someone else really wants to be on our next 80s episode, so it's going to be a battle to the death. Ooh, is it Keith? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is. <laughs> maybe we'll have the on to do sort of like a battle royale of 80s knowledge. Or maybe she can replace you and Keith can replace me and we take a week off. Ooh, actually, I kind of like that idea. We have, like, guest hosts every week, but and, like, we never actually do the show anymore. We just <laughs> facilitate, like, getting those on. We're executive producers now, Matt. We're not, <laughs> we're not petty talent. 
We made the we made the big time because that's the end for us. Yeah, I I think that I think that we'd love to have some some guests on at some point. We'll we'll see. We're pretty we're pretty perfect the way we are, but I mean you know. Yeah, and although it sounds like I'm always trying to get out of doing the show, I do love doing this. <laughs> As he shakes his head violently. You don't let me eat chicken, man. I'm letting you eat the chicken. I'm just pointing out every time I observe you putting another chicken. There's lots more mouth. chicken left, so... How <laughs> much you chicken did you buy? To all these vegan listeners, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. My sister. <laughs> my sister's listening. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Cassie. <laughs> we have another voicemail here from uh, one of our super fans. This is from superfan Chloe. Let's give it a listen. Hi, guys. Superfan Chloe here. You may know me as Nunya Business. I reviewed this... Super fun, super fresh um, podcast, probably after the first one, because I was really pumped that I got to listen to Matt DiGennaro's, um voice every Monday morning. Sets my week up for a great time. However, I do have a couple of, I mean, not critiques, maybe just comments. Um, first and foremost, why is there no like theme song? There needs to be a theme song. If you need help... I would love to help you. I'm sure Eminem would love to help you, which leads me into my second comment. Bob, I am really frustrated with the lack of appreciation for the rap god, greatest of all time, Marshall Mathers, Eminem. I can't even I can't even get into it, but I'm really I'm really frustrated. Um so you need to work on that, but however, I do appreciate Bob's love for penguins. I too am a huge penguin fan. Matt, I love you. Um, you are pretty much my favorite person in the whole wide world. Bob, you're growing on me. Um, Matt, I think it's time to marry my sister. And if you need a new co-host sometime, like just to pop in every once in a while, I am I'm free. Just give me a call. So yeah, anyway. Well, thank you, super fan Chloe. I think pretty much all accurate statements. I'm awesome. Bob is okay. <laughs> I'm so hurt right now. How come you're getting set up with people and I'm not? That's what I want to know. How come I don't get anyone to marry, huh? Hmm? Hmm? Who do you want to marry? You want to marry super fan Chloe? You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to change. You're gonna have to change your ways. With you're gonna have to apologize right now to Eminem on the podcast. Well. All that Eminem stuff was just an inside joke. I'm actually good personal friends with him. And Marshall, what do you have to say for yourself? Oh, he's uh, getting me more chicken right now. He'll be back shortly. <laughs> he's your chicken connection. <laughs> yeah, he, he's my chicken delivery boy. <laughs> wow. It's almost like the insults are getting worse, not better. <laughs> I just dig myself in holes. Like, I try to be nice, and then it just turns out, like, not. <laughs> Well, it's like you get lost mid-sentence, you're about to say something nice, and you just take a wrong turn somewhere in the middle of the sentence and end up in, like, Dickville. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. I, I can't disagree with that. I really can't. But regardless, thank you for that wonderful comment. <laughs> from, I do have this to say Chloe. about Superfan Chloe. She actually came in uh, when she heard that we can be bought. Uh, she sent us a very generous donation of six dollars what and you've been to, you haven't sent me any money and now i hear that it was not one dollar but six dollars are she, you no, kidding this me is a new this is a new donation of six dollars that she just sent and oh sure so she has, 
So she has, I swear, so she has bought half a, uh, half a season segment worth of advertisements in order to be in the running for Superfan, which is good because I recently lost the bet to Superfan Nate and have to give him $5 so that he can have the other half of the episodes worth of advertisements. Let's just have an episode where we don't watch a movie and just talk about their lives. <laughs> <laughs> so Superfan Chloe and Superfan Nate will have some dueling ads to look forward to in the next well, segment. So thank And you for- shout out to my other good personal friend, LeBron James, for... Uh, Hooking Nate up with the win. Yeah, so great. So of Chloe's six dollars, five of them have to go to Nate. So our, our, so we the net of that is still just one dollar only. Instead of selling one thirty second ad, we've sold like ten minutes worth of ad space. So our the value is depreciating, unfortunately. We're gonna have to create a bank account for this uh, podcast, Matt. Gonna Maybe have to go. we should have. Cl- I'll tell you what, we should have Superfan Chloe create our our theme song, I think. I'm down with that. I I, I agree. Theme song song makes a lot of sense. We kind of just open randomly. I'm hoping people realize that I pick the the music from the movie that we're watching every week. Well, this leads us into our next superlative, the best fan review. Who would you say? Bad Boy Big Upset is going to be tough to upset, in my opinion. Well, I mean, at this point... We're so bought that that this Chloe girl just she won. Yeah. I money business mo- money yeah money money sways me so yeah I'm going with going with super fan Chloe who thinks I'm just okay. <laughs> Congratulations, you won your first potty for best fan review. Worst fan review would probably go to Russell the one and only from last week when he said this show good but spelled good wrong. <laughs> That's racist against cavemen. Oh my god. Listen, I I can't keep up with all the things that are insulting to other people. When when the Peter Rabbit, that that was the one that put me over the edge with the internet. They they made fun of Peter Rabbit. Yeah, I know. Because he threw threw the berries at him or whatever. Yeah, and he's like allergic to berries, so it was like a a joke against people with food allergies. So the food allergy clan (laughs) was like protesting the movie. Well, joke's on you. I'm allergic to chicken. This will be my last episode. Well, the only thing to do now is actually talk about the movies. It's great that we have this this episode where we kind of don't have to do that, but we still do have to do it a little bit. Matt, so this next... is our show. We don't have to do anything. We can do whatever the hell we want. Isn't this great? We can just say whatever and people will listen. I like ponies. Your turn, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> the nominees for Best Director are... Shut down. Steven Spielberg for Saving Private Ryan. Guillermo del Toro for The Shape of Water, Vincente Minnelli for An American in Paris, Hector Babenko for Kiss of the Spider Woman, and Frank Borzage for Seventh Heaven. <laughs> How the fuck did I let you get Seventh Heaven nominated for so many of these fucking no- categories? This, is, this movie was not good. It was great, and it was revolutionary for its time, and La La Land's ending is all thanks to this movie. That is true. And I did like the German expressionalism. If we remember, I harped on that a lot. Well, <laughs> joke's though... on you. It's German expressionism. And I remember specifically saying it wrong every time <laughs> as well. So thank you for that. Um, no, he, you know what? He, he, he is a good nomination. He is a good nomination. However, I wouldn't say that he is the winner. 
Who would you say is the winner of this category? I'm going to go with Steven Spielberg, Saving Private Ryan. I will agree with you. However, for the sake of argument, I will argue that uh, this guy, uh, Minnelli, did a pretty amazing job with An American in Paris. An exorbitant number of set pieces, brilliant technicolor, choreographed dance sequences with the help of Gene Kelly, and a fantastic 17-minute ballet to end it. He took a giant risk. Uh, He got a significant amount of funding that he probably shouldn't have gotten for a movie of that time, and he just sold it, and the movie actually won Best Picture that year. That's a good assessment, but come on. Saving Private Ryan, man. (laughs) Hey, man, it sounds like I'm winning this argument already. I mean, I don't need to say anything. The movie speaks for itself. It's just the scale of this movie being able to, you know, to tell the story. The the D-Day invasion scene, like being able to to get everyone, you know, where they needed to be and make that scene, that scene, the most like iconic film scene ever. It's it's clearly Steven Spielberg here. Yeah, it is. It is clearly Steven Spielberg. I love how the we really need to make a video podcast because right now it's just me, me and Matt glaring at each other to get what we want. <laughs> yeah, we're just we're just trying to use her body language. Just, we've only been doing this for ten weeks, so it's just not there yet. So while we're on the topic of Steven Spielberg, though, after his win, congratulations. Yeah, my friend Greg Jolly uh, wasn't able to record an audio bite for this podcast. <laughs> too busy but a, wants to be on the show he's a very busy man he he wants to be a regular host every week but he's too busy to record a 30 second review but he did facebook chat me and explain to me that the 90s was not spielberg's best decade he was awesome in the 70s and the 80s i'm guessing he thinks both of those are better so the 70s have jaws close encounters 1941 and sugarland express great Spielberg films and the 80s had E.T. all the Indiana Jones movies and the color purple which I guess he thought was good um so shout out to Greg I guess we're wrong like what's great about like movies is people have different tastes and opinions so there really is no right or wrong answer for me Saving Private Ryan is a monumental achievement of cinema Schindler's List is quite possibly one of the the greatest historical uh, based on a true story movies ever made. Jurassic Park, somehow the special effects hold up now. It, it's one of the best written stories adapted by Michael Crichton from his best-selling book. It, it, to, me, it, it, to me, it's no contest. And I, it, that doesn't mean I didn't like Indiana Jones. That trilogy is obviously insanely awesome. Da, 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 and, da, 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 da. <laughs> and, and Jaws is great, too. I mean, Jaws changed da, da, movies. Da, da. And John Williams is to thank for all of these iconic scores. <laughs> so maybe John Williams' best decade was the 70s and 80s combined. Somehow it seems like he picked 20 years, which is a very long decade. I'd go so far as to say two decades. But hey, that's great, man. Come on the podcast and discuss sometime. <laughs> You're baiting him. You're baiting him. Well, thank you, Greg, for your comments and for listening to our show. And Greg and I are going to be working on set this weekend on a new film, so very excited starring future Tom for us. Sizemore. Actually starring Greg. <laughs> oh. My we, God. Tom Sizemore was what? definitely our first choice for this. Let's be real. What do you think Greg's best decade of movies 
has been. <laughs> it's uh, it's definitely this decade because this movie's gonna be amazing. That's awesome. Well, thanks, Greg. I'm glad you're listening. So, and I'm glad that you disagree out. with us. Like we really, we we really do yeah. encourage people who disagree with us. We're gonna continue to think we're right, but happy to always happy to always have a discussion and a good excuse to get a good debate going maybe when we get one of these movies uh that is debate worthy we'll have to have greg on at least for a segment or maybe we could have a, and then promptly a segment every week of greg disagrees <laughs> Ooh, greg comes like on that. tells us we're wrong about the previous episode <laughs> that sounds great that sounds absolutely great well our next category let's get into some of the big ones here best actress we have audrey hepburn for and I'm shitting you not, Matt. In your list, it doesn't say Roman Holiday. It says Roman Hepburn. <laughs> <laughs> I see that. I see that now. <laughs> so Audrey Hepburn in Roman Holiday. Sally Hawkins in The Shape of Water. William Hurt in Kiss of the Spider-Woman. <laughs> <laughs> Leslie Caron in American in Paris. And Loretta Young in The Bishop's Wife. How did William Hurt get into this category hey man it's 2018 don't assume gender he wanted to be a woman he thought he was a woman he's not in real life though well who's to say it was a very transformative role you're right matt you're right william hurt i should have read that one last but william hurt kiss of the spider woman well-deserving best actress nomination shout out to him as well he's in avengers infinity war Oh yeah, I noticed. <laughs> is that. that crazy? Yeah, I was like, whoa, because was he in? So he must he must have been in Civil War, and I just he was didn't in notice. Civil War too. Yeah, uh, William Hurt plays that asshole general dude with a mustache who's like, "Screw you, Avengers! Don't help us." How funny would it have been if he was in the Avengers as the Spider Woman, <laughs> and, he, and he tells this? He, he's the one in the beginning who tells the story of the rest of the movies to catch everyone up. Once upon a time. There was an Iron Man. <laughs> <laughs> I like where you're going with this, Matt. I do. Yeah. So I wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say that he's the winner, but... Um... Yeah, yeah, Sally Hawkins for the win. Really? Yeah. I'm going to go with Audrey Hepburn from Roman Hepburn. <laughs> <laughs> she was so good in this film that she changed the name of the film. <laughs> Audrey Hepburn was great in this film, but I don't know. I I I just I was really impressed with Sally Hawkins and Hawkins in this film. I mean, what was it because she was able to communicate her feelings without words? I think that's part of it. I mean, it was it was really impressive to be on screen for that long without saying anything, but to feel every emotion that she had in the film. To see her, you know, fall in love and just know she's in love without her saying it, I thought was really powerful. She just goes through so many different emotions, and I thought it was just very convincing, very great performance, really impressive. Big Sally Hawkins fan. Interesting. Yeah, so Audrey Hepburn, who actually won the role when she was probably still in diapers. I mean, she was so young. She was 22. (laughs) Yeah, I was very bitter about that. Or as Taylor Swift says, 22. Bob giving some competition to the category of best song cover, which currently in the lead is Disturbia, but who knows? 22. Have you even sang a song on this show? Yeah, I've definitely sang songs. You just don't acknowledge them. That's true. I generally only acknowledge when I speak. (laughs) Audrey Hepburn's role was just charming. She's charming. Yeah. And a lot of that's just her because she's like drop dead gorgeous and 
just easy on the eyes and easy to just watch for an hour and a half, do whatever, frolic around. And this was her debut role. Unlike Sally Hawkins, who has been in a lot of movies, even though we have not seen them other than Blue Jasmine or heard of them. But um, I really liked the way that she... I thought she I thought she made the role believable, which isn't always easy when you're playing a princess who you're supposed to sort of feel bad for. And I did end up in the end feeling a little bit bad for her. Not an easy task. I normally don't care about princesses, which is my problem with The Bishop's Wife, is that everyone in that movie was rich and successful and had everything going for them, and yet somehow I was supposed to feel bad for them. Couldn't do it. So for me, it's Audrey Hepburn. That's interesting, Matt, because... When we did our Roman Holiday episode, I remember saying, Audrey Hepburn wins Best Actress. Well-deserved. And you go, what? (laughs) (laughs) You somehow disagreed until this award show. And the winner is Sally Hawkins from The Shape of Water. (laughs) He conceded quick. Well, you know what the problem is? Is like, yeah, I I guess I, I do remember what I said, which is that she didn't really need to do much to pull off her role. All she needed to do was look pretty, and she did look pretty. But as we were watching the rest of these movies, pretty much from 1980 and before, that's all any of these actresses were asked to do. It's all Loretta Young was asked to do was be pretty. It's all Leslie Caron was asked to do was be pretty and dance. So it was interesting to watch these movies and see that there was really very little substance for these female characters and these female actresses other than to be a story mechanism for a male character. Which is why the the most recent movie makes it a, a pretty easy selection. It's just so much more of a role. Which brings us, speaking of male actors, to the best actor category. So for best actor, we have Gary Oldman in Darkest Hour. William Hurt, again. <laughs> In Kiss of the Spider Woman. <laughs> Gene Kelly in American in Paris. Yul Brenner in The King and I. And Michael Shannon for The Shape of Water. Nice. So we had to do a little research with Michael Shannon. We rewatched the credits for The Shape of Water. And how are you still eating chicken? This is unbelievable. <laughs> it's been like an hour. I we rewatched the credits and we saw that he was first billed. His name was listed first in the credits, which typically uh, the, the the order of the credits is typically in the order in which the actors were paid. So well, top paid is not first, first but you know, Sally Hawkins was first, but first guy. In the Sa- credits. Sally, Sally Hawkins was, was first. And, and yeah. And so the implication is that she was paid the most for the movie. There are instances. Have you noticed that sometimes big name actors will appear as the final title card under it'll be like and like in avengers uh infinity war it was and chris pratt i think yeah and so yeah and and mark ruffalo i believe too and mark ruffalo yeah so i'm not sure exactly what the deal is with that but there is some sort of prestige with that so i do think that that is a contractual thing i don't think it's like they were listed last therefore they have an and before them because i think it's the opposite yeah i think it's they were in less of the movie but they still got paid a lot because they're a big deal. Yeah, yeah. So it's sort of interesting next time you watch a movie to, to see that and, and I don't know if you care about things like that. But anyway, long story long, Michael Shannon was top billed. Uh, however, I am not selecting him to be my winner. I am selecting Gene Kelly from An American in Paris. Wow, and he technically wasn't nominated for that one. He was not nominated. He did win an Honorary Academy Award that year for his contribution 
to cinema in general, I think he deserved it for this because not only did he act, but he choreographed the movie. He danced his ass off in this movie. (laughs) He danced his ass off. He was great. He was charming on screen. He sang beautifully. He did the the dance choreography, as you were saying. I was going to pick Gary Oldman, but let's just skip right ahead. Gene Kelly for the win. (laughs) All right. Wow. Gene Kelly upsets Gary Oldman, the winner of the 2017 award for best actor. And I would have, I almost would have went for Michael Shannon too. He had a lot of great monologues in that film and he was an awesome character. So this category is loaded. William Hurt played the transgender woman. And then you had Yul Brenner, who's a white guy playing a Chinese guy. Yeah. And Gary Oldman, William Hurt and Yul Brenner all won best actor that year. Oh yeah. Good point. Gene Kelly and Michael Shannon, both not nominated. (laughs) Not nominated and they were our top two. So that just goes to show you how we feel about that. So let's move on to biggest Oscar snubs. So we touched on this briefly with Michael Shannon. I think he deserved at least a nomination for this year's Academy Awards. Although he was, was the only of the main actors who did not get nominated. Yeah, and they ended up winning Best Picture too. I I thought Michael Shannon was really good in that film, although it was a it was a tough tough year. Yeah, I think that the I think that the bigger Oscar snub is Raul Julia for not being nominated for Kiss of the Spider Woman despite being nominated for the Golden Globe that year. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty surprising because the movie was half William Hurt, half Rahul Julia. It wasn't just all William Hurt. And William Hurt getting the win and just no nomination for the counterpart, the the other half of the movie, that's that's big. And he, he thanks Rahul, you know, in the speech. Like, hey, this is, you know, this is something we did together. What about a snub... Something that didn't win but was nominated that should have won. For me, it's uh, it's the obvious Saving Private Ryan not not winning the year that Shakespeare in Love won. I agree with that one. That one was a very easy one. <laughs> so what about the potty for most racist movie that we watched? Uh, The Cabinet in the Woods. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's got to be The King and I. I'm, I'm thinking it's got to be The King and I too. You, get, you got white actors playing Asian actors you know, Asian roles, just like a blatant disregard for, (laughs) for culture, for Asian culture, just, just like smear campaign for the king who in actuality was a much more liberal individual, just paint him as this savage, just so racist, so racist. And the whole Uncle Tom's Cabin play for like 20 minutes. (laughs) Oh yeah. That was weird. So congratulations to the king and I, most racist. However, we do have a separate category, which is not about racism. It's the category is most white. What is the whitest movie that we watched thus far? All of them that took place before 1970? I'm going to go with The Bishop's Wife. The Bishop's White. Just a white angel helping some privileged white people. And it's during Christmas and it's snowing. More white. It is, in fact, a white Christmas. So let's move on. (laughs) To most napworthy. Speaking of sleep, you actually fell asleep during the bishop's life. So I, I guess that's a clear winner then. I don't know because for me it was the king and I. I nearly fell asleep during the king and I, only to find out that the reason why my girlfriend likes it so much is because she likes putting it on when she wanted to take a nap. So very close competition there. Yeah, that's pretty napworthy as well. Wow, is it, is this going to be a split decision? I mean, we can give it both to them. I'd gladly never watch either of them again and just sleep instead. Breaking news, a tie for most napworthy. So speaking of napworthy, I think this is a good opportunity to give our friend 
superfan Adam his time on the show. Let's hear what Adam has to say about us. So, 10 episodes of the podcast goes to, and what do we get? A crummy-ass clip show. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Adam. That was that was wonderful. Encouraging, to say the least. But it's, it's not it's hit. it's not just a clip show. Maybe he didn't realize that. It's not we we got more stuff going on, but for someone who has listened to every episode, uh, I was expecting a little more love. But we are glad that you listen. <laughs> Hate it or love it, the fact that you listen does mean a lot. Or fact, he loves it so much that he's disappointed that we're not talking about one specific movie this week. Mm. Well, I, I say that we will be talking about a specific movie next week, and the year that we'll be talking about next week is 1976. So if Adam is a fan of the 70s, and specifically 1976, he's in for a treat next week. I hope he continues to listen. I hope that this isn't the last show that he's so fed up that he decides, forget it, fuck it, I'm done. I thought that was your segue into picking our year. Oh, you did? 1976? Is that what you said? Yeah, I, it was so wild. I just did it like without anyone realizing. Yeah, it. I, I totally missed that. I, I I remember hearing 1976, but you did. We didn't do a end the. <laughs> it all just happened so quickly, Matt. So quickly. <laughs> well, we'll be back after this quick break. 1976. Can't wait, Matt. What's up, Matt? Bob? Audience? Superfan Nate here. First time, long time. Which, can I just say, is like the most annoying phrase ever. Like, who gives a shit if it's my first time calling in? Anyway, just wanted to say, like, love you guys. Great show. Avid listener, never going to stop. I hope you, wish you guys the best. Thank you so much for putting this podcast on. And I had a question for you. It's actually two questions. So, if you had to pick any character in any of the movies that we've watched to be in any other movie, who would it be? Like, I'd want to see how the king would react to the monster in uh, Shape of Water. You know what I mean? What other great mashups would you see? And then my follow-up question to that is, if there was a Royal Rumble with a fight, who do you think would win? I mean, probably the Shape of Water amphibian man because he's a god, but you think anyone else would stand a chance? Anyway, thanks, guys. Good luck. Love the show. Love you. So that was our voice message from Superfan Nate. You've heard us talk about him, and now you get to hear him in his own words. Thank you, Nate. Some interesting questions there. A battle royale. Uh, you enter all the characters into like a royal rumble. Who comes out? I think that I think that the angel could give some give some uh, gives it give a challenge to Amphibian Man. He could, but he's no match for Tom Sizemore in Saving Private Ryan. He's a badass. Ooh, what about the sniper from Saving Private Ryan? Shoot from a distance. Well, he would do well against the angel because he's a godly man saying his prayers right before he takes his sniper <laughs> shots, which is pretty badass. Can the can what what happens when an immortal faces off against someone who's already dead? Who comes out on top? I don't remember what happened in the movie Hercules, but I think Hercules won that battle. Hercules is the the god, right? Yeah, but doesn't he like die for a little while and then become a god? I'd have to go back and watch Hercules. <laughs> I don't know. Like I always th I always think about like okay, if you were to decapitate Amphibian Man, would he would be dead, right? Or would he just regrow his head? He does have magical powers of healing. I mean, he like re he like healed a gunshot wound, but I always wonder if you cut off its head, what 
would it just regrow its body from its head? Like, I would just chop him up into, like, a, I would just chop his head and then chop his head in half. Like, if I was the angel. If I was the angel of death, which is what we would have to call Dudley. I think Dudley just wrecks the Royal Rumble. He could just, he just, he's like, he basically has Thanos powers. Like, Thanos and him have a better shot of, like, one taking the other out than a Dudley and Chico from <laughs> Seventh Heaven in a Royal Rumble. <laughs> Well, the seventh heaven, uh, the was the sewer rat dude was pretty badass on the battlefield. <laughs> he was oh, taking people that's, down. That's true. Maybe, um, maybe the guy from Good Night and Good Luck could just report on the the battle royale, and thus <laughs> no one would think like, oh, he's so boring. I'm not even going to bother fighting him. So what? So what? What crossover movie would you want to see if there is a shared universe between two of these movies? Which one would you want to see? That's so easy. Instead of Sally Hawkins in The Shape of Water, I want to see William Hurt from Kiss of the Spider Woman fall in love with the fish man. <laughs> the spider woman and the fish man making swamp babies. Whoa, that is wild, man. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I could beat that. Maybe, you know what I would like to see? I want to see a um, Roman Holiday 2 Paris Holiday where um, Gregory Peck's character ends up meeting up with the princess in Paris, but Gene Kelly's character is there, and there's a love triangle. I like that a lot. Yeah, and hopefully it would be in color, and there'd be dancing. So it'd be like all the best parts of American in Paris, but you get Audrey Hepburn and Leslie Caron going 12 rounds to fight over Gregory Peck and Gene Kelly. And then instead of a 17-minute dance number... A 36-minute dance number. <laughs> a 36-minute weird date rape joke. <laughs> and the fish man's dancing in the background with Sally Hawkins. <laughs> <laughs> I do think that if I do think that like um, it, it's interesting that we watched a lot of movies that had to do with either World War One or World War Two, and so if Chico, Jerry Mulligan, and Captain Miller, Jerry Mulligan being. Uh, Gene Kelly in American in Paris, Chico being Seventh Heaven, Captain Miller from Saving Private Ryan. If they were all in one unit together, who do you think survives the longest? Tom Sizemore. Tom Sizemore is not invited to this theoretical. But you need him to win wars. That's true. Okay, he's he's there. He's like their like their goon in the squad. Oh, well, Jerry Mulligan's the only one who actually survived <laughs> the war to make it to make it back home. Wow, way to ruin all the movies at once. But Chico <laughs> might have survived. We're not oh, really that's sure. The, that's true. It was ambiguous. Did he survive? Oh my God. If Chico is also dead and he comes back to life, he might stand a chance against Amphibian Man too. Maybe him and Dudley, the angel, could team up. It's like a double angel action, like a tag team of angels. Normally you have to pay extra for that. Well, thank you, Superfan Nate. I appreciate it. And uh, I, I think that I, mean, I look forward to hearing your advertisements that I pay for on the next segments of the podcast goes to and the battle rages on for best super fan between chloe and nate yeah and this just in i have another written review that just reached my phone now from our fan ali walsh sorry bob work was crazy i couldn't get it done next time <laughs> oh crap <laughs> i guess she wasn't able to write a review <laughs> She did seem to find the time to write that text message, though. <laughs> well, thank you, Allie, for trying. Well, let's get to our final categories here. I think we've already run pretty far over. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, this episode uh, dragged a little, like all award shows. So we have two categories remaining, and our first is Best Picture. And the nominees for Best Picture Wait a minute, are... Matt. How is the second to last one Best Picture? <laughs> well, you're just going to have to wait and see, Bob. But trust me, it is worth it. You're going to want to stick around for this. Fine. All right. Can't see what's more important than Best Picture. Usually at the end of the award show, but... Not this show. The nominees for Best Picture are Saving Private Ryan, The Shape of Water, An American in Paris, Roman Holiday, and Kiss of the Spider Woman. That's a jam-packed so, list. Yeah, so those are the five that we felt were the best. Did you Do you think that it's... Do you think that's a, a little bit of a recency bias? I mean, obviously... Saving Private Ryan is from the 90s, Ship of Waters this year, and Kiss of the Spider Woman is from the 80s. We had, really... we had at least two movies that are more recent than a good bunch of these. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I, I really do feel like I really do feel like the quality of storytelling was just better in these movies, regardless of when they when they were. And of those, one movie stands above the rest. Bob? Oh, I'm torn, Matt. I really like Shape of Water, but I gotta give it to Saving Private Ryan. I, I have to give it to Saving Private Ryan, too. Although, if I had to choose a second, it wouldn't be Shape of Water. It would be An American in Paris. You're wrong. There's nothing else I could say. I just thought American in Paris was just so much fun. So entertaining. But it, it has to go to Saving Private Ryan. Just a movie of tremendous scope. You know what? Saving Private Ryan, you may not have won Best Picture... In 1998, but you won a potty, so what's what's better than that? <laughs> it does not get any better than that, which leaves only one category. Worst picture. Oh, that is better than best picture. Ooh, I like where this is going. <laughs> I think there's going to be much more debate here. So obviously the five that we didn't list are nominated for worst picture. Darkest Hour, The King and I... The Bishop's Wife, Seventh Heaven, Good Night and Good Luck are five Ooh, worst. That's a I tough know we're gonna one. Catch, I know we're going to catch some blowback for this because several of our listeners were huge fans of The Darkest Hour. And uh, one guy who I wanted to have him send me something, but he never did. But he just sort of ripped us for Darkest Hour, like saying, like, do you guys know anything about history whatsoever? <laughs> and so, so to that, I say good night and good luck. This is, this is a tough one. It really is. I really disliked Good Night and Good Luck, The Bishop's Wife, and The King and I. I enjoyed Seventh Heaven and Darkest Hour. They're not better than the five we picked for Best Picture, but these three, Good Night and Good Luck, The Bishop's Wife, King and I, I really don't want to see ever again. I See, of those, I would watch Bishop, Bishop's Wife again, of those three. Okay, that's fair. So there, there I guess... was just like something like ridiculous about it that made me mildly entertained i will say by the end of the bishop's wife i started getting interested in the story but it took me so long to get there but there yeah. was interest i remember at some point being interested <laughs> i was never interested in the king and i or good night and good luck i i think it's the king and i man whoa really for me it's definitely good night and good luck but george clooney's face is just so so appealing <laughs> It's definitely there. I'll tell you that much. The, his face is there. Oh, God. It was just so boring. It was just... It was just so boring. I mean, it was just... 
Yeah, a lot of people I know really like that film. I, I honestly, I just don't know where they're coming from. Like, I really don't. Do, do they explain what they liked about it? I mean, I get the, I get the historical context, and like we said on the episode, we didn't, we, we're not saying that the message wasn't important. It was just the execution on almost every level. Well, I think both of our beef there. with it was like you could have just told the story in documentary form. Like I didn't need to watch a fictionalized movie. Yeah, which didn't do a great job of dramatizing the the, the facts. I guess maybe that's why people like it. It's just so real. I mean, that was my theory about it was that it was purposefully dry because journalism is supposed to be straightforward. And that's sort of the meta purpose behind it all. Like, it wasn't until Tom Wolfe came along that people actually were put enthusiasm into journalism. Rest in peace, Tom Wolfe. Yeah, I just, I felt like the bishop's wife didn't really have like a main character or characters I cared about. (laughs) I thought we eliminated bishop's wife. I'm sorry, the king and I, the king and I. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was looking <laughs> no, in the wrong no. spot. Yeah, the king and I, I just, like, didn't care at all. We're like, at least good night and good luck. Like, I thought David Strathairn, or whatever the hell his name is, <laughs> I thought I thought he was really good, and he, like, I don't know, I understood the character, and I was like, I, I got the motivations. Where, like, king and I was just like, why am I watching this? What's the purpose? And, like, it's a musical, and they're not even, like, doing, like, dancing or anything they're just standing and singing unmemorable songs so unmemorable that you apparently misquoted one and keith won't give you (laughs) that's fair and the blatant racism doesn't really hold up yeah there's definitely no racism in good night and good luck that i that i remember no except for the lack of any sort of diversity but besides that yeah i mean there was that one black woman (laughs) singing in between scenes Yeah, so they, they threw diversity of bone with, there with that one. <laughs> but, More diverse okay, than I, the bishop's wife. <laughs> listen, I can... I, 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 I can... I, um, I, you're right. You're going you're gonna to win this one. I'll give it to the king and I. Reluctantly, I really think Good Night and Good Luck is one of the worst movies I've ever had to watch. But for, but, but for the, the race card and the musical the aspects that didn't ever really, to me, resonate, I'll bow to you. Oh, man, I'm going to eat this 10 episodes from now. (laughs) I'm going to have to give you that that worst picture. (laughs) So congratulations to the king and I for winning the first potty for worst picture. I think we need to get like a a Wikia page for our show. Yeah, so worst picture shouldn't get a potty. It should get a porta potty. Oh, the porta potty. (laughs) The porta potty goes to the king and I. That was the poo noise that should have been in (laughs) Kiss of the Spider Woman. If you survived the like nine hours that this show is, (laughs) congratulations. You won a chance to hear what movie we're watching next year. (laughs) I hope it's not next year. Oh, I'm sorry. Next week. (laughs) Bob, we have some good ones. The nominees for next week's movie are Bound for Glory. All the President's Men, Rocky, Ooh. Taxi Driver, Ooh. and Network. Ooh. Not to be confused with the social network. Oh, man. I know. Very disappointed there. How, they didn't come out with a Facebook movie in 1976? Bullshit. Next week, the podcast goes to Bound for Glory. 
Oh, I was I was queued up to go. Da, 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 God forbid we da, get da, one of the da. one of the three movies that I actually wanted. We end up with Bound for Glory. Bound for Glory, a movie. Let's see what the let's, it's the first motion picture in which inventor operator Garrett Brown used his new Steadicam for filming movie scenes. What? That's pretty cool. We'll learn a little bit more about Steadicam next week. Used extensively in today uh in today's uh movie making um it is an entirely fictional story except for guthrie and his first wife mary on which this movie is based tune in next week we're bound for glory what the fuck is this about watching bound for glory <laughs> it's a fictionalized autobiography of folk singer woody guthrie da, da, da. Oh, fun <laughs> da, da, da. <laughs> Well, I hope you guys enjoyed the first ever awards episode of the show. We got got to hear from our some of our fans and get gave out some awards, and we will continue our trek through all 555 Oscar-nominated pictures. We have only 545 remaining. <laughs> oh Pretty no! Sad. What are we going to do afterwards? And shout out to the people who have super long commutes, and we're able to listen to this in one shot. <laughs> I'm looking forward to continuing the show with you, Bob. I think we've had some Rocky episodes that would have really played if we picked Rocky. (laughs) But uh, I'm enjoying growing our network in the next 10 episodes. And I really do think that we are bound for glory here. You and I and all the President's Men that we have for listeners. And I should have said this earlier, but I bet you have a really long commute if you're a taxi driver. What are we going to do with you? (laughs) All that and more coming up on the next 10 episodes of the podcast goes to... Good night and good luck. Not the worst movie, (laughs) but close. Oh man, I can finish my chicken. How do you still have chicken to eat? I only got a four-piece chicken. That's not a four-piece chicken. Did you get a (laughs) four-piece chicken ten times? Yes. Seriously, how many pieces of chicken was were there? It was a, no, I swear it was a four-piece chicken meal. Let's see how about the receipt. Dude, there's no way that was only four pieces of chicken.